Welcome to the Encore Audio Video Podcast. Innovative technology simplified with the Encore Systems designers, Jeff Grove and Clark Von Trotha. Here's your host, Luke Anderson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest episode of the Encore Audio Video Podcast. I'm Luke Anderson, your host with me, uh, Jeff Grove to my left, straight across from me, Clark Von Trotha. Uh, these two gentlemen are fired up today. We're Great dropping two dollar words. The Great title of to today's podcast: immersive home theater experience. Mm-hmm. Boy, I do like the way that that yeah. sounds. So, what we're going to talk about today is not just how to set up the home theater, but really all the elements that make it feel that home part of home theater, right? Is that what yeah. you're saying, uh, Clark? You came up with this uh, beautiful I title. Know if I tell, came up with it, but yeah, we're talking it about it. We're talking about it. Uh, yeah, the immersive home theater experience. So really it's transforming a place in your home and making it feel like uh, you're actually going to the movies. Um, and that encompasses more than just audio and video. So I think the first thing maybe that might be important to talk about since you're sitting and watching a movie for a fair amount of time is seating. We can talk a little bit about that. Perfect. Um, seating is really important. Uh, not just uh, the type of seating that you use, obviously comfortable and having proper lumbar support and being able to recline and cup holders and all that. But it's it's also about placement. Yeah. Where the seats are placed in the room in, in retrospect to everything else, both both the screen, whether it's a projection screen or a television, and, and orienting the screen such that um, the majority of your view is encompassed by by, um, you know, a full video screen, you know, depending yeah. on the aspect of what you're viewing and then the sound. Well, let's talk about the experience part of that real quick. Cause yeah. I think seating lends itself to a lot more variety. Uh, Jeff, if we're setting up a home theater for one, it's very different than setting up a home theater Absolutely. for 101. <laughs> so yeah. when, when you're looking at what that experience is, it really does start with the homeowner or the proprietor that of what they're trying to set up. So where do you start the conversation when you're talking about seating? What you just said is, is a perfect place to start, which is a combination of how big's the room that we're going into and, and how many people are we presenting to? Mm-hmm. And that will at least start to dictate the conversation as to image size, sound system, seating configuration number of seats all those things um but i would say that that the room and the number of of spectators uh Mm -hmm. is a great place to start well with a with a home theater does it need to be a dedicated room for walls or in today's open concept homes is there some flex with that there definitely is. There's definitely some flex with going into a more of kind of a great room situation. We do a lot of um, theater room or media rooms, you know, where you're off um, a kitchen. Uh, that's a classic example. But, but Or it's a multi-purpose space. Maybe it's a game room and you also watch movies and so forth in there. Uh, you know, orienting um, the area where you're going to actually sit down and watch a film and figuring out that space is important. Um, because it, to Jeff's point earlier about the arrangement of speakers... Uh, you know, that, that really plays into that. And it also plays into, um, taking advantage of, um, the space. We're always trying to have the space work for us as opposed to fight against it. Uh, (laughs) and so depending on what that encompasses, that's going to, you know, change what we may recommend for both video and audio. Um, how, of course, how many seats and, and, and so forth. Um, 
And one other quick point on the space that I think is important, if you're going with a, a multi-purpose room that's going to do more than one thing, um, oftentimes uh, those spaces have more ambient light, Okay. typically. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and so taking, taking into account that um, and choosing the appropriate um, video that takes that into account is important. And or uh, window treatment, which we also do Hunter Douglas yeah. shade treatments that that's important as well and those treatments can be set up so that they're automated with everything and we'll get into yep. control we may yep. finish there with everything but it doesn't yep. have to be something that you're manually going and moving shades and doing all that that can all be automated yep. uh jeff best room scenario is that you do have the four walls and all of that and i know Absolutely. in a perfect situation we've said this about you know countless different different designs elements is that you're building the room specifically so if you guys can come in as oh, yeah. the space is being created or recreated what's the perfect if there is a perfect shape what's a perfect shape for uh, a theater room in ideally um, height width and depth those dimensions should not be divisible by one another okay so you don't want uh you don't not even perfect squares that would be the yeah, worst I, case scenario i don't i don't want to i don't want a room that's got an eight foot ceiling that's 16 feet wide by 24 feet deep okay that's really bad okay really bad that's really bad okay yeah that's going to create some really bad sonic issues that's um, in- interesting how uh how specific acoustic issues become when you have or sonic issues as you called them uh that they follow math so religiously it it has to do with how sound waves propagate and if those dimensions of the room are even close to being equally divisible by one another you get uh what's called loading in the room so you'll have some areas of the room that are destroying you Okay. And you'll have other parts of the room that are incredibly anemic. Interesting. And so if if we build a room, the ratio that I usually use is one of those dimensions is uh, one, the next one is 177, and the third one is 277. So whatever that math works out to. And it doesn't matter if it's wider than it is tall and taller than it is wide. Any of those elements, it's just an interesting math problem (laughs) to begin with. And then even further than that, if you can make the room not a shoebox, but if you can actually make, let's say, the front or the back of the room taller than the other side of the room, that's even better because okay. now because now we have a box that's not a box, right? It's a yep. trapezoid, basically. Gotcha. And, and that, that helps things even further. And ultimately, all of that means that we need to deal less with um, acoustic treatment in the room. We need to deal less with... Um, equalization and calibration in the room because the the speaker system the sound system is going to naturally work best in that environment again having the room work for you you know and the materials of the room are important as well you know Um, and when i say the materials i'm talking concrete's different than drywall which is different than a room that's hardwood floors which is different than a room that has a rug or a throw rug in it all those things factor and play into the sound and will help identify and, and help the homeowner or the business owner, you know, really know that. So a good example on like a, you know, and this is a little off topic with commercial situation, you know, is you, how many times you've been in a restaurant where you can barely talk because it's yeah. so loud. Yeah. Well, that's a space that has some acoustic issues, some of which Jeff has ah, addressed and the materials of the space have a lot of things that are going to create additional reflection issues. And so in some cases with a theater room, 
you're trying to have more reflection in one area and less reflection in another area. You know, typically in the front, you want it to be more absorptive in the back to be more dispersive. And so looking at the space and knowing that, and in, in terms of a perfect space, which you talked about earlier, yep. you know, obviously a room within a room type scenario and doors that are fully sealed um, that can contain sound and all that all help and play into the acoustics of the space as well. But we can help with a lot of that, including room treatment and DSP room treatment and all that. So, yeah. Breaking up that perfect shoebox, uh, it's not just a benefit then necessarily for viewing, but if you had a room that was either tiered or stepped, that would eliminate that yep. the, the box shape yep. and it would make for easier viewing. Yep. Yeah. So ideally, you could have something that was uh, a theater style uh, seating is automatically going to help the acoustics Yep. It'll make for better sight lines for everybody. So yep. let's say we build the room exactly how we want it. Obviously, a theater for one doesn't need that stair step. But we're making something for 12. Right. Maybe having just even just a second tier would help. Yep. Fantastic. Yep. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about how we how we set up the seating for that, though. You, you mentioned lumbar support, getting yep. the getting the uh, the materials that you want for the upholstery and all of those. But what else can we do with seating? Well, you can configure it in a lot of ways, you know, sure. so, I mean, you can configure it in the space and Jeff touched on this, but you know, about, uh, the proper amount of seating so you can still walk in the room safe carefully, but you know, you have enough, uh, seating for everybody. And it's also, you're sitting for usually with a movie for many hours. Yeah. So the lumbar spot I mentioned earlier, but there's, it's also the seating materials, whether you want to have a manual recline or, you know, electric or automated reclining, um, of course, cup holders. There's a lot of factors into it. Um, and of course, we offer a, a, a pretty wide array of, of theater seating solutions. Yeah. Folks, so, building in sound into the actual seating, is that something? Uh, yeah. There, there, are, there are lots of seats that have bass shakers in them, typically, okay. is the most common thing. So, just to reinforce that low frequency, depends on the rest of the sound system in, in the room if that's necessary or not. Um, but the other thing to think about with seating is making sure that your your sight line to your display, whether that's a projector and a screen or just a big TV or whatever, is correct and as correct as possible for all the seats in the, in the room. So we need to be cognizant about having more of a straight on viewing versus something that's, you know, a, Everybody likes to do it, or a lot of people like to do it, but putting a TV over a fireplace is not an optimal position, <laughs> Yeah. right? I mean, it might look pretty in the room, but it's probably not the most comfortable thing to be watching as you're having to recline just to be comfortable to see that image. So, so trying to get the image down to where we're looking straight at it is important. And then if you have multiple rows of seating, we don't want people's heads in front of other people. So yep. you need to stagger that and think about those things as well. So all of that stuff is, is kind of part and parcel to, to, to making it as comfortable and um, appropriate for all those different positions. For sure. And then, you know, just setting it up so the butler can come through to bring you your beverages at intermission and all of those <laughs> yeah. things, of course, is exactly right. equally as important. So we got the seating configuration. We have the, the right upholstery on on my favorite chair. Uh, my wife has her favorite chair. We put the kids in the front in their uh, sonically enhanced beanbag chairs. So we've got everything set up the way that we want it. <laughs> So now let's talk about those those elements of design that kind of help with it because I'm, I'm trying to picture the room in my head as we walk through this. And you said that having different materials in different spaces. So whether it's window treatments, 
using yeah. those in a way where they can soften the acoustics up front, make things, you said, more reflective in the back? Is that yeah, kind of the, so, the way to so do it? Yeah, so we were talking about acoustics of the space, yeah. and window treatments are one area where you can take a hard surface of a window and and help with that acoustically. Yeah. Or, you know, drapes. There's a, there's a lot of things, a lot of ways to approach it depending on the decor of the space. Um, of course, it's going to help with video because you're going to control the light more uh, in the space. Uh, the other things in terms of materials that are important is flooring. Okay. You know, obviously if you have a hard floor, you want to soften that typically. Uh, I mean, usually we don't like to just leave a hard floor in cause you're going to add additional reflections in the space. Um, but speaker placement as well as, is an important factor with that. Um, because where you might place a speaker, whether we place a center channel behind a screen, if it's a acoustically transparent screen, which is usually ideal or the front left, right and center speakers behind the screen, or whether you know uh, the center is below the center channel is below the screen or above, oftentimes is is directly related to something that Jeff touched on earlier, which is where you're sitting in the room. Yeah, and your eye line and the space of the space. Just to go back to that point too, you know, having your eyes hitting l- l- roughly the bottom third or half of the viewing area is really important. So you're not craning your neck for hours of viewing yeah. and you end the movie and you're like, gosh, why do I always have a <laughs> neck pain when I'm watching this room? It's because the, the, you know, the screen's too high or the TV's above classically above the fireplace, which that's yeah. a great example, but, but you know, where, where that sits. And so all that plays into it. The other factor in terms of materials in a space that I think are, is important. And we are showcasing that in our theater room here that we're sitting in um, is certainly different types of acoustic treatment. Yeah. So treatment that might absorb sound or treatment that might disperse sound. So in this room, we have uh, materials that help absorb sound in the front and yeah, disperse I, it in the back. I've sat, um, in, this, I've sat in this room, I don't know how many podcasts we've done <laughs> in here, but I've been in here a hundred times and I've never really put any thought into it. I could see the panels yeah. in the front. It feels like almost a design aesthetic yeah. where half of the room has it and it doesn't. So and then look above you, Luke. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. More in the front, less in yeah. the back. But I, I never put any thought into the science behind it. But is there also a design element to it that we we were kind of joking about Absolutely. feng shui before, yep. but creating so it's aesthetically pleasing and it's serving some function? Absolutely. Uh, there, there are lots of room treatment options <clears throat> that are pretty. <laughs> yeah. So, so we can absolutely play into that. Uh, there's even some stuff elsewhere in the showroom that are um, prints that are on acoustically made materials. Yeah. So they actually look like artwork, but they're serving another purpose as well. Okay. So, and those are options that are out there, uh, even if they're not necessarily under our umbrella as a, Hey, so I could take my you. favorite mo- movie poster and hang it up, uh, but I could also get it acoustically treated. So Very it's, it's sh- showcasing not only Printing my taste, that, yeah. but it's also dampening the sound. Yep. There's also acoustic treatment that, that you can put in a space during construction. So I mentioned the room within yep. a room kind of thing. You yep. can get into that element as well where you can help. So again, getting back to my prior point, you're not fighting against the room. You're yep. having the room work for you. You're, you're taking the advantages of the room because we've now designed it or we're choosing a space that's going to really be acoustically right for everything. And, and in addition to that, ideally, in addition to that, we're, we're, um, we're placing things to really help take advantage of the space. Yeah. 
with the way that you mentioned, Jeff, the sight lines, you want to make sure everybody in the room can see the screen, not just the people in the front. You want to have each seat be ideal. How difficult is it to make that work sonically? So if we're setting up the the four, four let's just say four seats in four corners to make it simple for everybody to visualize, how difficult is it to calibrate sounds so front left and back right both hear the movie in the same way, especially with... Atmos and all of the technology yep. in filmmaking. Yep. How about viewing? It's um, so it it, it kind of gets back to the number of seats, the location of those seats, um, the the screen, and and ultimately where what type of sound system are we putting in? Is is it a traditional um, what most people would call a five dot one system, or are we going as you mentioned all the way to a Dolby Atmos system, and once we kind of hone in on, on what makes sense for that particular customer, then that's going to start to dictate the placement of all of those speakers to make sure that we're, we're gaining the, the most advantage for as many of the seats in the theater as possible. And of course, the bigger it is, the harder it is. Yeah. So uh, sometimes that means in really large rooms, you have to have quite a few more speakers so that everybody gets a similar experience. Whereas if there's only two seats in the room, it's easier, right? There's not as much variance going on there, but all of it it plays with one another. The, the sight lines from the seats to the screen, which then plays into where those speakers are located. Uh, Earlier, somebody mentioned, uh, Clark mentioned a center channel, whether it's above the screen, below the screen, transparent through the middle of the screen all of that's going to start playing a part when we start placement of all these other speakers in this in the room yeah so it it's it all hinges with each other ultimately we've talked about it in recent podcasts the development of technology for video but there's one thing i want to get to before we get to the actual the centerpiece of your home theater which is the screen the last thing I want to talk about as far as the ambiance, and maybe I'm missing something, but lighting is very important oh, yeah. in, in mm-hmm. setting up your, your theater. Uh, you were talking about uh, something that kind of tripped me out, but what are the elements that we want to consider, Clark, when we're just thinking about lighting from a very base level? Yeah, base level of lighting is usually, you know, are we controlling the, the theater room with a single point control, you know, um, and so you have one remote or one app that you're using to operate the, the setup or are you using multiple remotes? But if you, uh, most theater rooms we're using kind of a single program situation. Yep. And in that scenario, we can do lighting that's, that's, that's triggered to the devices as well. Meaning like, say you have a screen that's motorized, that drops. Yep. And you, maybe you even have a TV behind that screen. So certain times you just want the TV to run and then other times I'm going to do the full theater experience, the larger screen's going to drop and all that. And when the screen drops, you want the lights to light nicely dim down to the proper viewing uh, lighting. So that's Clark a classic is motioning example. As his hands go down, he's representing the screen and I'm picturing <laughs> the lights going down with that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so that's a good example of sort of a standard, what we would consider relatively basic lighting situation in a, in a theater but there's other things to consider. If there's some of our clients who spend a fair amount of time in their theater areas yep. and the, if, or families that do, and so they're, they also take into consideration other factors like, it's like circadian rhythm. Uh, and, and what that gets into is like having the lighting color temperature mirror 
um, a similar environment to what it is outside. And that is also something that can carry through the rest of the house. So you could have a certain ambient temperature uh, or the temperature level of the lighting be variant upon that. And that's something that's, that's kind of a newer thing. That so it varies seasonally. So Correct. you don't have to go outside to and know that it's day. fall and time of day. Look yeah. at that. And that just works with your body's natural body clock. Correct. So, mm-hmm. so we're talking about everything from being able to flip a switch <laughs> and lights turning on yeah. to, I mean, it sensing the mood and time of day of the season. So yeah. just imagine all the variability. Uh, this may go back to something that you were saying, Jeff, the more people in the room, the more speakers we set up. Is it the same kind of with lighting where we want to use a bit more of an array, the larger the, the room gets? So lighting's tricky because um, it, it can vary a little bit depending on the screen technology. Um, ultimately, we, we don't want the lights to interfere with the image of the screen. And big TVs tend to be reflective, mm-hmm. but projectors and screens tend to be more of a, a saturation issue. Okay. So it, it ultimately kind of depends what, which way we're going here. But at the end of the day, we want to make sure that there's enough light in the room that it's comfortable, but we also don't want to mess with the image. Yeah. So I'll, I'll use an example uh, in, in one of the rooms in my home. Um, it, it's kind of the great room. It's not the big TV room. Um, where my wife sits to watch this TV, the TV reflects all the lights coming from the kitchen and the dining area because it's kind of this great room combination. Sure. So I've set up a, a lighting scene for when we're watching TV out there in the evenings that turns those lights off, but turns all the other kind of perimeter lights on at a level we can still get up and walk around and not run into stuff. Yeah. Um, where I sit, I don't see that because I, the, I'm at a different yep. angle from where she typically sits. So those are the things we have to think about um, ultimately with, with lights on on how to make sure we're not messing with the image. So we have to adapt to the 1950s couple that sits all the way across the room in their two favorite chairs like <laughs> you and your wife is what you're saying. In this particular situation, <laughs> yes. Yes. In, in the then big they go to their room with two separate beds and they have would, to do the same you know, thing in there. You paint a perfect picture there. You paint <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, and then, and you also just wanted to, uh, eliminate dark corners. You, you walk into a theater room and I think we've all been in that room where there's one source of light and then you go behind a piece of furniture and all of a sudden you're kind of going into a dark corner and you can't, you know, in, you, in dedicated spaces more often than not, you've, you've got sconces mm-hmm. that are typically on the sides or the back of the room that can be at a low level, but, but produce enough light. You can see when you're walking around. Sometimes there's rope lights on the floor, like when you go to a professional theater at steps and stuff, so you can actually see the steps. Those aren't going to mess with the screen at all because they're quite dim and they're, they're yeah. so low. Uh, and then there's obviously the, the lights that we typically have on the ceiling, and those are the ones we have to be really careful about to, to not have those either on very bright or maybe segment those lights if, if we have control of this, if we can work early enough with the build of the room with an electrician to where... Maybe the lights that are up at the front of the room that are close to where the image is at are controlled separately from the lights that are in the back of the room. So when I'm watching said football game, movie, whatever, 
those lights in the front of the room can be off, but the lights in the back of the room can be on at a low level. So yep. that we're, again, we're not messing with the image, but we still have enough light that it's comfortable. Very cool. Those are all the things we have to think about. All right. Well, plenty, plenty to get into there. Um, one of the cool things about the home theater conversations, we've had this a lot of times. We've, we've talked about this. I think probably the first podcast that we ever did was about home theaters because it's one of the big things that you do here it's at Encore fun. Audio Video. Oh, and it's it's it is it's cool. Even if even if you're not ready today to build that dream theater, I think it's something that we can all have in our mind's eye. Yeah. So now the fun part is with advancing technology, there are more options than ever for putting that big screen up and having that image that goes floor to ceiling. So what's new with home theaters that that maybe we haven't talked about yet, Clark? Yeah, I mean, one of the big exciting changes that has occurred is price points for laser projection have dropped substantially. And so you can come in and get a native 4K projector that's a laser-based projection system, like what we're showing in our theater room right now. (laughs) And notice that we have our our ambient light, to Jeff's point, in back, nothing up from the screen. And we have a relative a fair amount of light in this room, yet look at the image. It looks really bright, nice. Laser projectors are substantially brighter, have better gamma and contrast, better colorimetry, and they have better what I call collation, meaning you can pinpoint the image much better with laser backlighting projection. Um, it has less light bleed. Yeah. Uh, and so for all those reasons, uh, it's a it's preferable technology. And, and you don't have to replace a lamp. Yeah. You don't have to buy a lamp, an ultra high pressure lamp every, you know, depending on your viewing habits. In some cases, for some clients, it's every few months. In some really? clients, yeah. it's every few years. I mean, it just depends on how much they watch. But, well, the other thing with yeah. the lamp, though, too, isn't there some degeneration with it? The there first is. day you turn it on, it's brighter than the last Absolutely. day before you replace yeah. it, right? That's not the case with lasers. Correct. Yeah, it doesn't dim over time. And it also starts relatively quickly, almost like a television. Whereas when the old days, when I say old days, this is a relatively recent. Last Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, right. But uh, with, this, <laughs> with these changes like- that have happened, and it's what's nice is you can turn the projector on and and you're not waiting minutes for it to warm up and get the proper image yeah. picture. It is almost uh, it's very quick with the uh, laser projection. Well, very cool. So, yeah. So that's one very very cool uh, change. Um, one other thing I would mention is that projection systems as well offer multi aspect capability, which we also can demonstrate here. Which basically that means is if you're watching a movie and you've always wondered why am I watching it with these black bars on the yeah. top and the bottom. Well, that's the original aspect the filmmaker shot the movie in. But if you wanted to remove those black bars, there are both manual and motorized solutions that encompass with projection now where the projector itself can store what's called lens memory settings. And um, you can view different aspects of movies. And there's quite a few. We want to count them out, but there's quite a few of of material you might watch. There's still old movies in four by three. Yeah, where they have the, the bars on the side. There's also movies that are you know two four zero or two three five or different aspects that are wider that have black bars on the top and the bottom. But we can basically uh, resize the image vertically and horizontally such that you can remove those black bars yet not lose any of the image. How about that? And these, it's both a combination of the memory in the in the projector as well as a screen combination that's typically motorized, but you can also do it as a manual scenario if it's just some just basic come down to the showroom it's, we'll it's show you to yeah. show you it's a exactly it's a two second but that's demo. an exciting thing that's <laughs> yeah. a really exciting thing and we're one of the few places where you can come in and actually see that 
yeah. what that really encompasses. Um, Good time to tell people that the showroom is located 14th and Everett, right yeah. here in the Pearl District in Portland. And I will say this too for anybody weary of coming downtown. This is my second trip down here this week. This neighborhood looks like it's improving at a rapid pace. It, I, it I will does say feel that. Like so, that. Yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that we're yep. getting some continuity with that. But I came down here, went yeah. to a restaurant nearby. Uh, I met the proprietors of said restaurant. They made the same comment. Uh, the guests that I had at the restaurant. We've, we've all noticed that downtown Portland is uh, recovering very quickly from anything that you're worried about. So the trip is safe. It is a it is a wonderful showroom, and there's a lot to see here. But this theater room is certainly yeah. among them. So I think worth worth pointing out. Uh, if we don't go laser projector, we can still go uh, old school projector, of course, or televisions. What's going on with the technology with both of those? Uh, well, other styles of projectors are pretty much on the way out at this point, yep. uh, unless unless we're talking laser rules. Uh, yeah, yep. for the most part, the 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 brands and options that we have, most of those companies have simply moved away from the other stuff. Well, the, with the list that Clark just gave us of all of the the details, does that mean if they're on their way out, or is is pricing reflecting that where you can get a, a steal on one of those old projectors, or is it probably not worth it because you're going to have to go and get those replacement parts uh, that it, may not it, be? It, it's with the brands that we have anyway. I, I don't really have very many options unless we're talking about older technology yep. not not just in terms of not laser with lamp but also in terms of resolution gotcha so it's 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 kind of become a yesterday thing fair enough yeah. so um, let's talk about televisions because those are certainly not yesterday yeah, yeah so so tvs you know the the big thing still is um led and oled and with both of those there are some some newer technologies at the the, the top end of them um on the OLED, there's something called Quantum Dot, which is basically denser, better pixels, uh, better control, better color, better contrast ratio, all of that. And then on the LED side of things, um, there's something called, I always mess this up, is it micro or mini LED? Yeah, there's, so there's micro and mini LED. No, there's both. But there's both, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, but how um, do I get the job where I just come up with the new names? Quantum right. dot sounds yeah. awesome. Mini micro LED, not so much. Quantum dot guy needs a raise. Yeah, yes. mini LED is mostly what you're going to find in in the consumer world now. There is micro LED, but those yeah. are those are um, how long before nano LED? Right, that, exactly. Right, right around the way. What's smaller exactly. than that? Micro it's, nano. Well, a mini nano. Yeah, to Jeff's point, QD is really, really making QD uh, yeah. OLED are really the future of OLED technology, and that's something that Sony right now is has has some incredible offerings that we're showing the biggest size, which right now is sixty five, but next year we'll see some larger sizes. Okay, yeah. well, let me go. Let me go backwards before I go forward. So if we've got the, the the television, you can go with with Quantum Dot or Mini Micro LED, whatever you need to do. You get the big screen up there. If you have the room set up right, you don't need to worry about the reflection. If you have a little bit of reflection, go with the laser projector. Yeah. You don't have to worry about that. So let's go backwards. Before you set up any of this, the so one element that we uh, should always mention, make sure you have your network right, because uh, that's going to be the engine that runs everything that we do, right? Uh, and everybody then, wanting to stream things today, absolutely yep. correct. Perfect. And so, well, and if you have the, the you know, automated yeah. everything, because we'll finish with uh, controls, because yeah. I always think that's a fun way to do it. But let's just talk about some sources uh, before yeah. we do that. So if you set up your home theater, 
how easy is it to get all of those multiple source materials? So if you've got streaming, plus you've got your Blu-ray collection, uh, maybe you still have some DVDs, maybe you've got a hard drive that holds some of your content. Uh, how easy is it to get all of those working in one easy-to-use easy system? Pretty easy. Pretty easy. Yeah. Usually there's some form of a streaming device that will take advantage of, of all those different streaming services you want to take advantage of netflix amazon disney blah 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 and you're building you're building the theater it doesn't need to necessarily have any housing for it there where you have six different boxes to run six different things Uh, yeah that's a that's a really good point you know the sources have become have shrunk the amount of sources that clients typically want in a in a theater or media room have, are, have lessened and usually if you're using some kind of a Jeff mentioned this video streamer yep like a Roku or an Apple TV or, or some kind of video streaming platform and um, if you're a physical media person you can you can buy a machine that's not expensive that will play physical media on disc so that would include DVDs CDs okay remember those I do um, and laser disc. Uh, you no. could have lasers for bed. but CDs <laughs> and DVDs. Oh, oh, only on the old bulb projectors. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. Those guys sit in the same we're a- corner. Of we're our aging ourselves. Yeah. We're aging ourselves quickly. Here. Uh, um, yeah, CDs, DVDs, Blu-ray discs, of course, yep. and then what's called Ultra HD Blu-ray discs. And Ultra HD Blu-ray currently is sort of where physical media, I jokingly say, goes to die. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is just that's going to be the best quality you're going to get. And for a lot of films, in terms of what studios are doing now, they're mastering things into 4K for both streaming and for disc and for theatrical exhibition. In fact, I just recently saw Avatar re-released in 3D, 4K. And I was just mentioning this to Jeff earlier this week. It was the most compelling 3D theatrical experience I have had. Because That's, it's a new version of st- of stereoscopic 3D that they did for that, as well as the 4K remastering and HDR yeah. and everything, and it looked absolutely spectacular. And they had some footage of the new Avatar uh, film. So this well, is just anyway. footage. It's not the, when does the film actually release? Well, this is the full film, the full oh, Avatar okay. film, and at the end of the film, where I saw it, at least it played maybe five minutes okay. of the new Avatar. December. sequel gotcha. coming out yeah. in December. December. Yeah, right December. at the end of the year. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then we'll uh, see the next story of the Smurfs village. <laughs> exactly. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Fern Gully in space, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there you go. Um, as it were, as it were though, but that's, if you have a streaming piece, so what I'm saying is if you had a Roku or an Apple TV and you yeah. had a Ultra HD Blu-ray player that could play all those disc formats, and 4K UHD Blu-ray, by the way, is the best. Okay. You're looking for the best fidelity. That, that is the best for, at the moment. Um, <laughs> But if you had those those two devices, a lot of people have migrated away from cable. Sure. So yep. they've taken their cable and they've said, you know what? I'm just going to stream my cable sources. I'm okay with varying streaming platforms, whether it's Hulu TV yep. or DirecTV Now or YouTube TV, whatever it is. And I pay them as opposed to the cable company. And I actually get very good picture quality through my Apple TV or Roku doing that through that app, that specific yep. app. And they're not using the separate cable box. Yeah, so they just have those couple devices, and they're pretty happy. I had one more question that came up now that you brought up Avatar, and uh, that uh, can, can we set these uh, home theaters up for 3D? Is that something we can do? So 3D right now is going through a change, uh, uh, and uh, what they're working on, they continue to work on, is auto stereoscopic uh, three dimensional projection, and what what I mean by that is 3D without glasses. Okay. 
Uh, so you're not polarizing the image or in the old days you're using those anaglyph yeah, type yeah, the little, red remember those lens. as kids so yeah so they're moving away from that so most of the projection systems that we sell these days have kind of moved away from 3D because they thought of it a lot of the manufacturers sort of saw that as sort of a well it was a nice try but yeah, I'm not sure we got a whole lot out of it basically gone by the wayside yeah, gotcha. it, it's not impossible but it's just not something that manufacturers for for home equipment or diving into very True. deep yeah. anymore okay exactly all right well there's the answer because i'm but sure it, it came up when we brought up 3d but it's not going that. away it's just oh, they're know. still developing it, more it in that world through yeah. cycles right where Correct. it's like yeah. everything comes out in 3d because they have this new technology yep. and everybody realizes it's really not that cool and then it goes away and then they have new technology that yep. comes back okay uh so at some point we can look for that uh yeah. so let's let's finish things up with the best way that we can uh controls how do we make this as simple and easy to use jeff you always always bring it up and I always appreciate it. You can set your scene movie on and everything goes, yep. uh, the lighting, the, the window treatments, you the, push a single button and the, the whole room goes to watching whatever your favorite streaming service is. Lights go to a predetermined level, turns on the projector, drops the screen, turns on the sound system and literally all you have to do is hit play and adjust the volume. Is this single button or is this voice controlled if you want it? At the moment, we're still talking single button. Yep. Voice control is getting closer. Okay. Okay. We just had a meeting with our control manufacturer yesterday, and there's some new stuff on the horizon for voice control coming. Okay. Now, you guys are the system designers. I think for you, it's very easy to set these scenes. How easy is it for someone like me, the end user, yeah. to sit there and create this new scene? So if I go into my uh, dang it, immersive home theater experience, <laughs> did I get nice. it? I go into my immersive home theater experience. It's a very different experience when I'm watching sports than when I'm watching a movie. Yeah. Maybe I'm playing video games or whatever I want to do in there. How easy is it to set those multiple uh, scenes? Yeah, so once we've established the kind of varying scenes you mentioned in varying environments that you want to create, you can modify those scenes uh, with our control system yourself after they've been created. Usually we lighting like to create scenes. the... Yeah, so I'm, I'm talking about lighting scenes sure. in this case. But, but um, it's really... If you can dream it up... Yeah. In terms of kind of what your ultimate experience may be, we'll, we'll, we, we're always the propose and dispose guys, meaning you're going to propose and we'll say, that's a good idea. Or we might say, you know, let's think about it from this perspective and you may change your, your approach. But ultimately, it's really about making, again, getting back to my comment earlier about making the room work for you, yeah. making the space just be this immersive thing. So when you go in there, you can, you're immersed, you lose yourself. It's completely another uh, uh, kind of a, a, a completely different experience. And lighting's part of that, sound's part of that, of course, video's part of that, the size of the, the image, the seating, all these things that we've been talking about play all into that. And the control system is kind of the possess the resistance, you know, where you're, you're, you're literally using one access yeah. to do all these things that would normally be relatively complicated with a lot of remotes. And we can simplify that and streamline that for you. All right. So if you are listening to this podcast and you want to create your own immersive home theater experience, you worry about the what and the why. I want to have football on. I want a little bit more lighting because I don't want to drop my nachos into the couch and lose them. But you want to watch a movie and you're okay dropping the popcorn so you don't need as much light. You figure out the what and the why. Let these guys figure out the how. 
Yep. It's the easiest way to do it because yep. we yep. all try to create these solutions ourselves. Coming down here, talking to Jeff and Clark is the easiest way to do it. Again, the showroom is at 14th and Everett in the Pearl. Their website is on coreaudiovideo.com. You guys made that very easy. I appreciate that. Thanks, Anything Luke. else we need to know to get started on these home theaters other than come talk to you guys? We're ready to uh, integrate your dreams. covered dream. it in spades. Well, fantastic. <laughs> We're ready to integrate your dreams. Let's I do it. I'm ready to go home and be very disappointed with my television setup. <laughs> oh. I will do that in a little bit. Luke, uh, we're waiting to do your space. We're just waiting. For <laughs> yeah, you. well, I'm waiting okay. for the architects to come back with the final design of the West Wing before we worry about the whole thing. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll certainly have you in. Uh, all right. This is the Encore Audio Video Podcast. If you want to listen to more episodes, we have tons of topics. If there's anything you'd like to hear more from, hey, get a hold of these guys. Let them know. We can make it in our next topic. There's a blog that accompanies this at EncoreAudioVideo.com as well, uh, making it very easy for you to figure out what your new immersive home theater experience will look like. Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you, Luke. Thank you for listening to the Encore Audio Video Podcast. If you have questions about today's topic or to schedule your free consultation with Jeff and Clark, go to EncoreAudioVideo.com.